Welcome to our podcast, Transparently Speaking. I am Diana, and I have a son who transitioned at a young age to become his true self. And I am Joy. I have also supported my daughter to transition at an early age. We are here to share our experience and our learning along this journey. We want to provide support and guidance parent to parent. And if you find yourself on a similar journey, we want you to know that you are not alone. So let's dive in, transparently speaking. Diana, with the holidays coming up, a lot of us are planning on getting together with family. And you and I were talking a little bit about what does that mean for us now? And maybe what has that meant for us over the past years as we've been on this journey as parents of transgender youth? Right. I think, you know, I've worked a lot with different families. I've heard so many different stories. And I think it's always a big question of, first off, the question of disclosure. Like who in the family knows? Who are we going to see? Do we tell them? How do we tell them? Or it's also an issue where maybe there's already been a conversation and they know that some family members will not respect pronouns, won't respect name, and like what to do on this big family tradition of getting together. Like, how do they navigate that? Do they go? Do they not go? Do they leave? You know, all those kind of things. And so I think it's worth a conversation, even though there's so many different circumstances that like, Obviously, we don't experience all of them, but yeah, I think this is a fantastic topic. And I think we wanted to bring maybe a bit of diversity, even in exploring kind of the many ranges that could show up and undoubtedly many that we're not even going to talk about. But, (laughs) but we were just saying, I was explaining that with Samantha, this hasn't been a real concern for us ever since we transitioned. And I was saying that kind of amongst two kind of scenarios. And the two scenarios are really about how different our relationship is with our two different families. And when I say that, I mean my family versus Hugh's family. So in my family, when I think about that, I'm thinking about my parents and their extended relatives, right? Their siblings. And I don't have any grandparents left. They passed away when I was in high school, actually. All four of them did. So it's really just been my parents and their siblings. And so as I grew up, we transitioned away from engaging even with those families. When I was in college, we didn't really engage too much with them. There was maybe once or twice a year that I would see either one of those sides of the families, my mom's or my dad's side of the family. And then once we started our own family, it was much more rare. Again, maybe once a year with each of those families, but it dropped pretty quickly. And so as an example, we just had an event this summer with my mom's side of the family. And I think it had probably been since pre-COVID, definitely like maybe 2018, but I had seen anybody from that family. So we're not very close with them. And I have never actually had an open conversation with any of them, with any of my mom's or dad's brothers and sisters about Samantha, about the transition, about our scenario, the only communication we had was the message we had shared through our Christmas card letter, the one year kind of announcing, you know, our beautiful daughter to the world. And those family members were on that list. Yep. All of our family members were on the list. I think we don't know if any of them, like nobody ever came back and asked me questions or expressed concern. I never heard from either of my parents that there were any concerns or or whatnot. We do know that some of my mom's family 
is uber religious and maybe my mom has not shared things that she might have heard directly from them if they're not supportive, but I haven't heard. And so I have really just not engaged at all kind of with my mom's side of the family about the scenario. And we just don't see them very much. So it's not, it hasn't been an issue or anything really for us to be considering. How was that when you were together? Was there any awkwardness or any beyond what sounds like normally is there? <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess what is interesting. So it was a big celebration. An aunt, my mom's sister, oldest sister from Alaska, actually came into our city, came into town. And so people sort of traveled from just within a couple hours to get together and celebrate the fact that they came to visit. And the only conversation, actually, interestingly, Samantha wasn't there because she was at her tryouts, her volleyball club tryouts, which is this huge ordeal. But she wasn't there, but there was conversation about her playing volleyball. I have a cousin who was an athlete in college. And so he was like, oh, wow, she's traveling. That's so cool. And there's a little bit of celebration like that. But there's absolutely no conversation about the fact that she's transgender, about the fact that our state has been passing bills not allowing transgender girls to be playing sports. So none of that, none of that came up at all. Yeah. And I think that's one place we have in common is that like, I have certain family members we've never talked about it with, you know, and they've known me before I've had children. So they knew that I had a child that was assigned female at birth and had a different name and so forth. But I just came back from Mexico City for my and it was an amazing, amazing trip. There was no issues. No, what what did my dad say? People were gonna say stupid things. Yeah, nobody said anything stupid. <laughs> At least not about that. <laughs> Get it. But yeah, we had just an amazing time. And it was the whole family got together, or a lot of the family, I should say, got together. And Clark was there with me. And like I don't know who knew what. Because we never, like you sent a letter out. I didn't even send a letter out. It was just like, can you follow along? I don't know who followed along. Plus it's been 10 years. So I don't know if they're like, oh, I thought it was, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I remembered incorrectly. You know, I, I have no idea. I know that some of my family members know closer ones. But again, there hasn't really been any conversation and nothing was unusual or strange. I don't think they treated him any differently that everyone got along really well, but it was interesting. And my dad was concerned of one part of the family that was very religious. And the member of that family that usually posts things that are not the most <laughs> supportive to say the least, like she wasn't there because she was further away. So again, no issue. You know, like I think about it, like what now versus 10 years ago, I didn't prepare for it. I didn't have conversations with people, none of it. But I remember years ago getting together one holiday and my uncle was coming to visit. And I think this was probably probably a year after Clark transitioned. Again, there had never been a conversation with him, but we were going to see him. And I knew he knew my child as a girl. Mm Mm-hmm. And we follow each other on Facebook. So I'm not sure which, how much he was up to. So I had, for that, before getting together, I decided to reach out to him and his wife and say, hey, just so you know, I really believe the tone of that message is really important. 
there's a part of me that wants to be like, is this okay? That kind of like tentative, nervous, like, um, what do you think about this? But I know like, that's not the way I want to present. So it's like, we have the great fortune of knowing the truth of our child. He's so much more confident and confident, happy. And we see him glow is what every parent wants. And we want to share it with you so that, you know, when you see him, that he goes by he, him, and this is, you know, call him Clark. Please ask me any questions. I'm open. We love you. Goodbye. And I sent it to him and his wife and my cousin, his son, who I think was, I can't remember so long ago. And they were all just, that's wonderful. Thanks for letting us know. It's not a problem. We'll work on using those names and stuff. And it was fine, but it was nerve wracking. So I was like, oh, what are they going to say? And I didn't know what my mom would do. I honestly think my mom, it sounds horrible, would choose her brother over us. Meaning if her brother wasn't supportive, is that what you mean? Correct. Like she wouldn't uninvite him. She would say either deal with it or don't come. Got it. These are some of the hard things. Okay. So in that scenario, you were going to be seeing him in a part of a broader group. Is that what you were saying? Yes. My mom rented a house and everyone was invited to come in and stay. And so he was going to be there with his wife and I was going to be there with my family and some other, my sister and stuff. Okay. I don't think she would have set the boundary on him to not come if he was not supportive. Mm. And there's a big word, and I think a real key that I continue to learn about is the space of boundaries. At the end of the day, we can't control what other people say and do. We can ask them to behave in certain ways or ask for their kindness and ask for changes in behavior or changes in language. And when that doesn't happen, right, how do we choose to show up? Yes. And I never approached it with like, you have to say this name and pronouns. I was just like, this is his name. This is his pronouns. So you can use the correct ones, period. Like it wasn't that. In, but that's sometimes having worked with a lot of families that I often hear with great frustration and angst is like telling people you have to do this. Now, I don't disagree <laughs> that it's really important for our kids that they do it, but we can't make them do it because then it creates frustration when they don't. And it's like, well, we can't, make somebody do things. But to your point, we can set a boundary. We can make a request and we can decide what we are going to do if they don't. Yeah. So for example, let's just with our listeners talk through a couple of like, what are some options, right? In terms of creating some of these boundaries and planning for scenarios, you know, that may not go the way you want them to. And I know, Diana, you've shared with our listeners before some really great language about how to correct someone when they're making mistakes and things like that. And I think it's a hard line sometimes to know when somebody's truly making a mistake and they're learning or in their practice because we do it all the time, right? I continue to make mistakes when I'm engaging with somebody I don't see very often or as somebody had gone through a transition, that's totally understandable. And we can also show up with some we can assess whether or not we think somebody is truly in that space of positive intent or not. Right. And I think the first thing is like to talk to your child ahead of time. Hey, how do you want to handle this? People are making mistakes. For example, like with Clark, I knew like when we would talk about it, he often would say, well, it's going to take them time. They're learning, <laughs> especially for my parents who, and my dad, who you know has been on this podcast. I don't think he ever made a mistake. I can't remember ever. 
like phenomenal. I don't know how he did it, but Clark would say, well, they're old. Go take them more time. <laughs> but even at like seven, he got it, right? Go take them more time. He was very understanding, which is very different than a child who has like Dinah. I'm not sure. Sometimes he's okay, but sometimes I can see the pain on his face. That's very, very different. And, and I should take Clark, I would see pain on his face too, but it would, he would just, it depends like how much, how often there's kind of that when it happens and a relaxation. So I think that's a big part of it is like knowing your child, but also finding out what do you want to do. And for us, minus early on with my mom, like later on, we knew that we were going into a supportive environment. So we assumed the mistakes were from good intention, which is different than like early on with my mom, who was like, no, not doing it. Like not, I don't think she ever directly said that maybe with Dinah, but you know, that's a different scenario. If you know that you have family members or a parent that are like, no, and that's not who they are and absolutely refuse, that's a totally different scenario. So as you guys were navigating that scenario, what choices did you feel you had or what kind of response did Clark have when he asked, how do you want to navigate this? What happened is right after he transitioned, I had just told my mom and we had a planned visit to see her. I thought going to her house that she would respect his name and pronouns. Not like it, but I thought she would. And so when we got there, pronouns, I knew she never got right. That was the story of, so Clark was seven and Grayson was five. And that was the story (laughs) of Grayson going at some point, like maybe the second or third day in, was like, Grandma, it's he. Get it right. Heesh. Like, <laughs> like all of us are afraid of grandma. And like Grayson was like, what is wrong with you? It's been like two days. And <laughs> we were all like, <laughs> <laughs> he was very, he is, it was very, very cute. So good for him. For, <laughs> like only a five-year-old could get away with talking to grandma like that. Fantastic. And I remember I seeing her face, it took her aback. And she might have gotten it right one time. So I remember talking to Clark about it privately because we stay, when we visit my mom, we stay at her house. I talked to him privately like, oh, grandma's having a really hard time getting this correct. He's like, yeah, I think that's what it, yeah, she's older, <laughs> a little harder. Like, okay, how, what do you want to do? And he was fine. He was like, she's learning. So he just expressed it's fine. He loves being with my mom. and. I, And I will give her credit that like the love was there except when she had to use a pronoun or name. So I think she avoided the name pretty much. And after we left that visit, you know, Arthur, my husband and I had a conversation of how are we going to handle this? But we don't see each other that often. So I was gauging it more on our phone conversations and I felt like she came along. So, but I think it wasn't, for another five to six months before we saw her again. And she was better because we went through a period of time and not talking and then her best friend supported us and gave her that article. So the next time we saw her was after that. And I think I felt better and I had a very different energy and feel from her. So I think that's what changed that. Okay. And 
we were talking about other options too, or other kind of boundaries, ways you can set and establish boundaries. And I think it sounds like we both have, uh, you know, have had the situation where we just don't engage very much with some family. And so we have never even had a clear discussion about it. And I think I had shared previously with our, our listeners that the other side of the family, my husband's side of the family, we, right after Samantha transitioned, had a big get together over a 4th of July holiday. And Samantha was wearing a girl swimsuit and we engaged with Hugh's brothers to have conversations with the different aunties and uncles and to make sure people kind of got the word and understood. And I think we sort of just set the expectation. This is what is to happen. (laughs) I don't think there were even, you know, kind of any specific requests other than this is who Samantha is and basically like, and let somebody know if you have questions because we're happy to answer them, but this is what's happening. And this is who Samantha is. Maybe that's a really good point to point out to our listeners. Both of us have that story of, we didn't ask the question. Will you ask them? It's like, no, a very, I think it sounds to you as well as myself, very matter of fact, this is how it is. Like we're not presenting it like a key thing. I never use the word feel. I don't say Clark feels like a boy because he is a boy. Feels makes it seem whimsical and like a choice. But it's like, no, we understand gender to be like, he is who he says he is. So it's that language of, hey, Clark's a boy. We now know, thank goodness, we know his truth. Call him he, this is his name. We didn't ask the question. And we also offered support. And I think that's the one thing for... Our listeners is like presenting it ahead of time if you're going to, and then deciding. I mean, I know some families that just say, we're not going. Like, again, it's assessing your family and things like that. Sometimes it's a hard, especially if there's been conversation where family members like, I absolutely will not. This is abomination or whatever other language being used there. Then they can decide, do I want to go there or not? And again, family decision, the mental health of everyone, what's safe or setting that boundary, say, we're going to go in. We're going to ask people and maybe you tell whether you tell people or not ahead of time, hey, we're going to come. But if there's hostility or beyond the understandable mistake of misgendering, then we will leave. And again, it's not trying to change someone else's behavior, but making clear what your behavior will be if that continues. And I think it's important to realize that a couple of things, I guess what's, what's just coming up for me as you say that, Diana, is depending on how old your kid is. And I know you would say, no matter how old they are, have that conversation first about like, what do they want to do? How do they want to handle it? Maybe what kind of boundaries or things feel most important to them. And I think as parents, it's important to recognize that for yourself too. What do you need to feel to be able to enjoy yourself, to feel that your kid is safe, to feel that you and your family are in a good position? And, and that can be hard sometimes to figure out. And that's okay. I guess I want to just mention that you might not know even until you get there, until you're experiencing a scenario or a situation. And maybe it's about planning with your family ahead of time. How do we handle this? Do we need to step into another room to have a family meeting? Do we need to you know, step outside to figure out how we want to handle things? Do we... I think, again, the thing that was super helpful was Hugh's brothers. Like, are there other allies in your extended family you can ask for help from? I think that was really key for us. That's a great, a great point. And don't forget the siblings to be part of this conversation. I think that's one thing families say, well, 
we don't go to the family gathering, the siblings are going to be upset. I don't want them to blame the child who's transgender for us not participating. And again, I think it's how you present it. As a family, we support each other. When one of us is hurt, we're all hurt. Whatever that language is for you. And I mean, there's lots of options and you can like think it through how you want to do that. But don't forget the siblings as far as being part of that decision-making, part of that conversation. I would talk to the child who's transgender first and then maybe say, let's bring this to everybody so that you're all on the same page. I think that's a really good point because I know my youngest is especially sensitive about not wanting his siblings to be angry at him in a scenario where, where we need to do something special for him. And so different kids also probably have different perspectives or relationships with their siblings about how that works. So that's a really important element to consider. Yeah. And sometimes the decision-making might be afterward. I feel like most of what we have dealt with hasn't been as like outspoken as like, this is an abomination, you know, so forth. Arthur's sister-in-law first found out when Arthur went to visit his brother and her kids yeah, I think Clark was there. I wasn't there. I, I must have had a baby and I was at home with the baby. I was like, which one? I don't know. Three or four, who knows? And he went and I, oh, it would have had to have been number three. And he went and he told them and they were having a, this conversation when the kids were playing somewhere else. They weren't in the room. And Arthur's sister-in-law was like, she equated it to her parents not making her wear a dress. Wait, equated what? Clark's transition. And so Arthur was trying to say, well, he's really anxious about the idea of growing breasts. And she said, well, so is my daughter, who's a little bit older. But her daughter didn't say that she was a boy. She just was nervous about going through puberty, which is, but this wasn't a nervousness of going through puberty, but she couldn't see it. And she was saying, you know, I really am angry at my parents for not making me wear dresses more. I always, what she would call a tomboy at the time. And felt like that led to being made fun of. And I, she just didn't get it. It's the big story, right? So when we'd see them, she would often use the wrong pronoun again and again. And, and again, here comes in Grayson, five-year-old Grayson going, it's he! <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it got to a point, because like over years, I'm not talking about one year, over years, I think it had was at like the five-year point or something that I talked to Arthur and I was like, we can't do this anymore. Because now some of the kids that have been getting it right, they have three kids. The oldest never got it wrong. The youngest one, who is Clark's age, a little bit younger, but about this age between Clark and Grayson, he was now starting, like five years later, starting to get it wrong. And I said, I think at home, they're not using the correct pronouns. Arthur's brother always got it right. The oldest son always got it right. And I think they got it. That was the difference. The younger two kind of didn't get it. We're taking the lead of their mom, who's a psychologist. And so I told Arthur, I'm like, you have to talk to your brother. We can't do this anymore. I could see the pain in Clark's face when this was happening over and over. And the thing is, when we made correction, there was no apology. There was no attempt to get it right. There was just like, yeah, whatever. And that was the feel. Yeah. And even from the younger kids, whatever. So Arthur talked to his brother and said, Hey, I know you get it, but it's happening a lot with your wife. You can't keep doing this. It's fine if you need more time, but let us know because we don't want to, we can't do this anymore. We're not going to visit anymore. 
and I don't remember exactly what his brother said, but his brother demonstrate understanding, like we get it and we will do better. And I know the next time we saw them with his wife, because his wife often doesn't go, which is a blessing. Did I say that out loud? Anyway, she just... Last next time we saw her, she didn't go. She was the only one. The kids were getting it right. And the kids actually were correcting her, but she was defensive. Her kids were correcting her. She got a little defensive about it, I remember, but it all worked out in the end. Okay. So the boundary sort of establishment there was a conversation to just say, hey, this isn't working for us. Yes. And it wasn't in the moment. It was after the fact. It was when things were calm and private. Mm -hmm. And how are things now? Curious. They live far away, so we don't see them very often. And we haven't seen her in a long time. As we go into the holiday season, I think the bottom line is there's no right answer. But I think it's so easy to get overwhelmed and be like, I'm just not going to think about it and not make a plan and just go into it until you're like there. And that's like the worst time, in my opinion, at least for me, to try to figure out what to do in the heat of the moment when all the emotions are going and I haven't thought about it ahead of time. I would just encourage people. You can't prepare for every situation either, but at least kind of set your own boundaries as a family. That's a wrap on this episode of Transparently Speaking. Thanks for joining us today. Join us again on the 1st and 15th of every month for our next podcast. Thank you to Filter for our awesome music. That's P-H-I-L-T-Y-R. Check them out at Apple Music, YouTube Music, Spotify, or anywhere you download music. As a reminder, we welcome your feedback and questions. Email us anytime at transparentlyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. If you're taking something away from our podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take a moment to provide us a review. The more listeners and reviews, the more people we can reach and support. Thanks in advance. Cheers from Joy and Diana.